Book six, Canto three of the Fairy Queen by Edmund Spencer. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Thomas Copeland. Canto three. Calidore brings Priscilla home, pursues the blatant beast, saves Serena, whilst Calapine by Turpin is oppressed. True is that whilom that good poet said, the gentle mind by gentle deeds is known. For a man by nothing is so well bewrayed as by his manners, in which plain is shown of what degree and what race he is grown. For seldom seen a trotting stallion get an ambling colt, that is his proper own, so seldom seen that one in baseness set doth noble courage shew with courteous manners met. But evermore contrary hath been tried, that gentle blood will gentle manners breed as well may be in Calidore descried, by late example of that courteous deed done to that wounded knight in his great need, whom on his back he bore till he him brought unto the castle where they had decreed. There of the knight the which that castle ought to make abode, that knight he greatly was besought. He was to wit a man of full ripe years, that in his youth had been of mickle might, and borne great sway in arms amongst his peers, but now weak age had dimmed his candlelight, yet was he courteous still to every white, and loved all that did to arms incline, and was the father of that wounded knight whom Calidore thus carried on his kine, and Aldus was his name, and his sons Aladine, who, when he saw his son so ill bedight with bleeding wounds, brought home upon a bier by a fair lady and a stranger knight, was inly touched with compassion dear and dear affection of so doleful drear, that he these words burst forth, Ah, sorry boy, is this the hope that to my hoary hair thou brings? Ay, me, is this the timely joy which I expected long, now turned to sad annoy? Such is the weakness of all mortal hope, so tickle is the state of earthly things, that ere they come unto their aimed scope they fall too short of our frail reckonings, and bring us bale and bitter sorrowings instead of comfort which we should embrace. This is the state of keezers and of kings, let none therefore that is in meaner place too greatly grieve at any his unlucky case. So well and wisely did that good old knight temper his grief, and turned it to cheer, to cheer his guests, whom he had stayed that night, and make their welcome to them well appear. That to Sir Calidore was easy gear, but that fair lady would be cheered for naught, but sighed and sorrowed for her lover dear, and inly did afflict her pensive thought with thinking to what case her name should now be brought. For she was daughter to a noble lord which dwelt thereby, who sought her to a thigh to a great peer. But she did disaccord, ne could her liking to his love apply, but loved this fresh young knight, who dwelt her nigh, the lusty Aladine, though meaner born, and of less livelihood and ability, yet full of valour, the which did adorn his meanness much, and make her the other's riches scorn. So, having both found fit occasion, they met together in that luckless glade, where that proud knight in his presumption the gentle Aladine did erst invade, being unarmed and set in secret shade, whereof she now bethinking gan to advise 
how great a hazard she at erst had made of her good fame, and further gan devise how she the blame might salve with colored disguise. But Calidore, with all good courtesy, feigned her to frolic, and to put away the pensive fit of her melancholy. And that old knight by all means did essay to make them both as merry as he may. So they the evening passed till time of rest, when Calidore in seemly good array unto his bower was brought, and there undressed, did sleep all night through weary travel of his quest. But fair Priscilla, so that lady hight, would to no bed, nor take no kindly sleep, but by her wounded love did watch all night, and all the night for bitter anguish weep, and with her tears his wounds did wash and steep. So well she washed them, and so well she watched him, that of the deadly swound in which full deep he drenched was, she at the length dispatched him, and drove away the stound which mortally attached him. The morrow next, when day gan to uplook, he also gan uplook with dreary eye, like one that out of deadly dream awoke, where when he saw his fair Priscilla by, he deeply sighed and groaned inwardly to think of this ill state in which she stood, to which she, for his sake, had weetingly now brought herself and blamed her noble blood. For first, next after life, he tendered her good which she perceiving did with plenteous tears his care more than her own compassionate, forgetful of her own, to mind his fears. So both conspiring gan to intimate each other's grief with zeal affectionate, and twixt them twain with equal care to cast, how to save whole her hesitant estate, for which the only help now left them last seemed to be Calidore, all other helps were past. Him they did deem, as sure to them he seemed, a courteous knight, and full of faithful trust. Therefore to him their cause they best esteemed whole to commit, and to his dealing just. Early, so soon as Titan's beams forth brust through the thick clouds in which they steeped lay all night in darkness, dulled with iron rust, Calidore, rising up as fresh as day, gan freshly him address unto his former way. But first him seemed fit that wounded knight to visit, after this knight's perilous pass, and to salute him, if he were in plight, and eke that lady his fair lovely lass. There he him found much better than he was, and moved speech to him of things of course, the anguish of his pain to overpass, amongst which he namely did to him discourse of former day's mishap, his sorrow's wicked source. Of which occasion, Aldine taking hold, gan break to him the fortunes of his love, and all his disadventures to unfold, that Calidore it dearly deep did move, in the end, his kindly courtesy to prove, he him by all the bands of love besought, and as it mote a faithful friend behoove, to safe conduct his love, and not for aught to leave, till to her father's house he had her brought. Sir Calidore his faith thereto did plight it to perform, so after little stay, that she herself had to the journey dight, he passed forth with her in fair array, fearless, who aught did think, or aught did say, sith his own thought he knew most clear from white. So, as they passed together on their way, he gan devise this countercast of slight, to give fair color to that lady's cause in sight. 
straight to the carcass of that knight he went the cause of all this evil who was slain the day before by just avengement of noble tristram where it did remain there he the neck thereof did cut in twain and took with him the head the sign of shame so forth he passed thorough that day's pain till to that lady's father's house he came most pensive man through fear what of his child became there he arriving boldly did present the fearful lady to her father dear most perfect pure and guiltless innocent of blame as he did on his knighthood swear since first he saw her and did free from fear of a discourteous knight who had her reft and by outrageous force away did bear witness thereof he showed his head there left and wretched life forlorn for vengement of his theft most joyful man her sire was her to see and hear the adventure of her late mischance and thousand thanks to calidore for fee of his large pains for her deliverance did yield ne less the lady did advance thus having her restored trustily as he had vowed some small continuance he there did make and then most carefully unto his first exploit he did himself apply so as he was pursuing of his quest he chanced to come where as a jolly knight in covert shade himself did safely rest to solace with his lady in delight his warlike arms he had from him undight for that himself he thought from danger free and far from envious eyes that mote him spite and eke the lady was full fair to see and courteous withal becoming her degree to whom sir calidore approaching nigh ere they were well aware of living white them much abashed but more himself thereby that he so rudely did upon them light and troubled had their quiet love's delight yet since it was his fortune not his fault himself thereof he labored to acquite and pardon craved for his so rash assault that he gainst courtesy so foully did default with which his gentle words and goodly wit he soon allayed that knight's conceived displeasure that he besought him down by him to sit that they might treat of things abroad at leisure and of adventures which had in his measure of so long ways to him befallen late so down he sate and with delightful pleasure his long adventures gan to him relate which he endured had through dangerous debate of which whilst they discoursed both together the fair serena so his lady hight allured with mildness of the gentle weather and pleasance of the place the which was dight with diverse flowers distinct with rare delight wandered about the fields as liking led her wavering lust after her wandering sight to make a garland to adorn her head without suspect of ill or danger's hidden dread all suddenly out of the forest near the blatant beast forth rushing unaware caught her thus loosely wandering here and there and in his wide great mouth away her bear crying aloud in vain to show her sad misfair unto the knights and calling oft for aid who with the horror of her hapless care hastily starting up like men dismayed ran after fast to rescue the distressed maid the beast with their pursuit incited more into the wood was bearing her apace for to have spoiled her when calidore who was more light of foot and swift in chase him overtook in middest of his race and fiercely charging him with all his might forced to forgo his prey there in the place and to betake himself to fearful flight for he durst not abide with calidore to fight who natheless when he the lady saw there left on ground 
though in full evil plight, yet knowing that her knight now near did draw, stayed not to succor her in that affright, but followed fast the monster in his flight. Through woods and hills he followed him so fast that he no let him breathe nor gather sprite, but forced him gape and gasp with dread aghast, as if his lungs and lights were nigh asunder brast. And now, by this, Sir Calopine, so height, came to the place where he his lady found in dolorous dismay and deadly plight, all in gore-blood there tumbled on the ground, having both sides through gripped with grisly wound. His weapons soon he from him threw away, and stooping down to her in dreary swound, upreared her from the ground whereon she lay, and in his tender arms her forced up to stay. So well he did his busy pains apply, that the faint sprite he did revoke again to her frail mansion of mortality. Then up he took her twixt his armus twain, and setting on his steed, her did sustain with careful hands, soft footing her beside, till to some place of rest they mote attain, where she in safe assurance mote abide, till she recured was of those her wound as wide. Now, when as Phoebus with his fiery wane unto his inn began to draw apace, though waxing weary of that toilsome pain and travelling on foot so long a space, not want on foot with heavy arms to trace, down in a dale for by a river's side he chanced to spy a fair and stately place to which he meant his weary steps to guide, in hope there for his love some succour to provide. But coming to the river's side he found that hardly passable on foot it was, Therefore, there still he stood as in astound, ne wist which way he through the flood mote pass. Thus, whilst he was in this distressed case, devising what to do, he nigh espied an armed knight approaching to the place with a fair lady linked by his side, the which themselves prepared thorough the ford to ride, whom Calopine saluting as became, besought of courtesy, in that his need, for safe conducting of his sickly dame, through that same perilous ford with better heed, to take him up behind upon his steed, to whom that other did this taunt return. Perdi, thou peasant knight, mightst rightly read me then to be full base and evil-born, if I would bear behind a burden of such scorn. But as thou hast thy steed forlorn with shame, so fare on foot, till thou another gain, and let thy lady likewise do the same or bear her on thy back with pleasing pain, and prove thy manhood on the billows vain. With which rude speech his lady much displeased did him reprove, yet could him not restrain, and would on her own palfrey him have eased, for pity of his dame, whom she saw so diseased. So Calopine her thanked, yet inly wroth against her knight, her gentleness refused, and carelessly into the river goth, as in despite to be so foul abused of a rude churl, whom often he accused of foul discourtesy unfit for night, and strongly wading through the waves unused, with spear in one hand stayed himself upright, with the other stayed his lady up with steady might. And all the while that same discourteous knight stood on the further bank, beholding him, at whose calamity, for more despite, he laughed, and mocked to see him like to swim. But when as Calopin came to the brim, and saw his carriage pass that peril well, looking at that same carl with countenance grim, his heart with vengeance inwardly did swell, and forth at last did break in speeches sharp and fell. 
unknightly knight, the blemish of that name and blot of all that arms upon them take, which is the badge of honour and of fame, lo, I defy thee, and here challenge make that thou for ever do those arms forsake, and be for ever held a recreant knight, unless thou dare for thy dear lady's sake and for thine own defence on foot alight to justify thy fault against me in equal fight. The dastard that did hear himself defied seemed not to weigh his threatful words at all, but laughed them out as if his greater pride did scorn the challenge of so base a thrall, or had no courage, or else had no gall. So much the more was Calopin offended that him to no revenge he forth could call, but both his challenge and himself contemned, ne carried as a coward so to be condemned. But he, not weighing what he said or did, turned his steed about another way, and with his lady to the castle rid, where was his one. Ne did the other stay, but after went directly as he may, for his sick charge some harbour there to seek, where he arriving with the fall of day drew to the gate, and there with prayers meek and mild entreaty lodging did for her beseek. But the rude porter that no manners had did shut the gate against him in his face, and entrance boldly unto him forbade. Natheless the knight now in so needy case gan him entreat even with submission base, and humbly prayed to let them in that night, who to him answered that there was no place of lodging fit for any errant knight, unless that with his lord he formerly did fight. For loath am I, quoth he, as now at erst, when day is spent and rest us needeth most, and that this lady, both whose sides are pierced with wounds, is ready to forego the ghost. Ne would I gladly combat with mine host, that should to me such courtesy afford, unless that I were thereunto enforced. But yet a read to me, how height thy lord, that doth thus strongly ward the castle of the ford? His name, quoth he, if that thou list to learn, is Hight Sir Turpin, one of mickle might and manhood rare, but terrible and stern in all assays to every errant knight, because of one that wrought him foul despite. Ill seems, said he, if he so valiant be, that he should be so stern to stranger wight. For seldom yet did living creature see that courtesy and manhood ever disagree. But go thy ways to him, and from me say that here is at his gate an errant knight that house-room craves, yet would be loath to say the proof of battle now in doubtful night, or courtesy with rudeness to requite. Yet if he needs will fight, crave leave till morn, and tell with all the lamentable plight in which this lady languisheth forlorn, that pity craves, as he of woman was born. The groom went straightway in, and to his lord declared the message which that knight did move, who, sitting with his lady then at board, not only did not his demand approve, but both himself reviled and eke his love, albeit his lady that Blandina hight him of ungentle usage did reprove, and earnestly entreated that they might find favour to be lodged there for that same night. Yet would he not persuaded be for aught, ne from his currish will a whit reclaim, which answer when the groom returning brought to Calopine, his heart did inly flame with wrathful fury for so foul a shame, that he could not thereof avenged be, but most for pity of his dearest dame, whom now in deadly danger he did see, yet had no means to comfort, nor procure her glee. But all in vain, 
for why no remedy he saw the present mischief to redress but that most end perforce to abide which that knight's fortune would for him address so down he took his lady in distress and laid her underneath a bush to sleep covered with cold and wrapped in wretchedness whiles he himself all night did naught but weep and weary watch about her for her safeguard keep the morrow next so soon as joyous day did show itself in sunny beams bedight serena full of dolorous dismay twixt darkness dread and hope of living light upreared her head to see that cheerful sight then calapine however inly wroth and greedy to avenge that vile despite yet for the feeble lady's sake full loath to make their languor stay forth on his journey goeth he goeth on foot all armed by her side upstaying still herself upon her steed being unable else alone to ride so sore her sides so much her wounds did bleed till that at length in his extremest need he chanced far off an armed knight to spy pursuing him apace with greedy speed whom well he wist to be some enemy that meant to make advantage of his misery wherefore he stayed till that he nearer drew to weet what issue would thereof betide though when as he approached nigh in view by certain signs he plainly him described to be the man that with such scornful pride had him abused and shamed yesterday therefore misdoubting lest he should misguide his former malice to some new assay he cast to keep himself so safely as he may by this the other came in place likewise and couching close his spear and all his power as bent to some malicious enterprise he bade him stand to bide the bitter stour of his sore vengeance or to make a vower of the lewd words and deeds which he had done with that ran at him as he would devour his life at once who not could do but shun the peril of his pride or else be overrun yet he him still pursued from place to place with full intent him cruelly to kill and like a wild goat round about did chase flying the fury of his bloody will but his best succour and refuge was still behind his lady's back who to him cried and called oft with prayers loud and shrill as ever he to lady was affied to spare her knight and rest with reason pacified but he the more thereby enraged was and with more eager fellness him pursued so that at length after long weary chase having by chance a close advantage viewed he overwrought him having long eschewed his violence in vain and with his spear struck through his shoulder that the blood ensued in great abundance as a well it were that forth out of an hill fresh gushing did appear yet ceased he not for all that cruel wound but chased him still for all his lady's cry nor satisfied till on the fatal ground he saw his life poured forth dispiteously the which was certes in great jeopardy had not a wondrous chance his rescue wrought and savoured from his cruel villainy such chances oft exceed all human thought that in another canto shall to end be brought end of canto three recording by thomas copeland